Shalom, everyone, and good morning. Thank you for being here today with me on Let's Talk Torah. This is the Sunday edition where we go over the half Torah and the Besor portion that correlates with this week's Shemot. And we had a great Let's Talk Torah Friday fellowship a few days ago with our brother Stephen Lane. He brought some wonderful insight. Really, I'm still pondering and thinking on some of the things he brought. So if you haven't seen that episode, be sure to check that out. It was a, a great pleasure to have him. I always enjoy what he has to share with us. You know, exciting times. We have finished the book of Genesis, Bereshit, and we are now moving on into Exodus. Just so many great lessons, parables to learn from these stories. And, you know, we all say history repeats itself. So it is important to take note of what's happening and how we can improve on these situations as they come up in our own lives. Shalom, everybody. Hope you are having a wonderful Sunday. It's a great word from Robert this morning on Mercy Poured Forth, discussing happiness and how true happiness rely comes from Yah. Uh, we can't make our own happiness. No one else on this earth can make our own happiness. The material things can't create true happiness, but only Yah. And I will say for myself, you know, over these last few years of stepping away from the world, trying to be set apart. And grow closer to Yahweh, I may have lost things of this world, friendships, relationships, material things, all kinds of different things, but I have never truly been happier uh, because the closeness that I have grown to our Father, uh, digging into His Word and realizing His blessings and promises that come with living a set-apart lifestyle. So if you are still struggling to find your true happiness. Know that the only way to truly find that is through our Father and His Son, Messiah. Good morning, Beck. Glad to see you. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday morning, as well as my wife and anyone else there in the chat or watching later on. I hope this is a blessing for you. So we are just going to go ahead and get into this portion today. Uh, the half Torah is actually split up a little bit, a few different segments, all out of Isaiah, starting in 27.6 through 28.13. And then we're going to skip over to chapter 29 and just have a few verses there, 22 and 23. And then the Besor portion is coming from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And of course, that's discussing the birth of our Messiah, and the visitors of the Magi. Just what a wonderful story and a blessing that we have all received through the birth of, of Messiah. All right, let's get this pulled up here. All righty. Good morning, Annette. Glad to see you. Thank you for joining us. So starting in verse 6, and I do have some commentary to read along with these, and then we'll just read the scripture line by line on the Besora. So this is Isaiah 27, starting in verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Yaakov to take root. Literally, in the coming days of Yaakov shall take root. The believers of Yah 
being established. Israel shall blossom and bud, the believers being active in good works, and fill the face of the world with fruit. In Romans eleven twelve it says, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of other nations, how much more their fullness. So the believers of all times are rich in good works to the glory of Elohim. You know, that's where our good works come from. Uh, we must have those first fruits, those fruits of the Spirit that we give off. Those are our good fruits. Picking up in verse 7. Hath he, Yahuwah, in his visitation of mercy, smitten him, Israel, his people, as he smote those that smote him, literally with the stroke of his smiter, after the manner of the enemies who vented their spite upon Israel? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? In measure, when it shoot forth, thou wilt debate with it, literally in a small measure, by sending her away, by sending her away, thou punishes her. The reference being to Israel's exile. He stays his rough wind in the day of the east wind. Literally, he breathes with his rough breath on the day of the east wind. That is, Yahuwah, at the time of the captivity, sent his breath with great force to purify the country. Not the destruction of Israel, but its salvation was intended. By this, therefore, by the punishment of the exile, shall the iniquity of Yaakov be purged, his guilt expiated, purification brought forth. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. The punishment, if properly effective, shall have the following result. When he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the grooves and images shall not stand up. Really, so that the places of Ashtaroth and the images of the sun shall not rise again. Israel is shown the condition under which it will be acceptable to Elohim. By dashing to pieces the stones of their idolatrous altars and destroying both the idols and their pedestals, the people of the land will give evidence of the fruit of the expiation that has been rendered and of the forgiveness that has been received. All that is stated in empathetic contrast to the fate which overcame the city of wickedness, the, represent, the representative of hostility against Elohim. Yet the defense city, the center of worldly power, shall be desolate and the habitation forsaken and left like a wilderness without inhabitants. There shall the calf feed and there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof, the foliage of the brushes, bushes covering the ruined city. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off, the twigs of the dry shrubs falling off. The women come and set them on fire, gathering them for fuel. 
for it is a people of no understanding, namely of the ways of Elohim. That is why this desolation comes upon them. Therefore he that made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. And all who oppose him are his enemies, and are treated accordingly. And it shall come to pass in that day of Yahuwah shall beat off, as the harvester does the sheaves with a flail, from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, from the Euphrates to the brook on the boundary of Egypt, now known as the Wali el-Arish, and shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel, as the result of such harvesting, the picture being taken from the land of Canaan, and the deliverance of the children of Israel. And it shall come to pass that in the day that the great trumpet shall be blown, the signal of the final judgment, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, here representing all the hostile forces of the world, and the outcast in the land of Egypt, just as Yahuwah says, and shall worship Yahuwah in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. Israel's return from exile is a type of the restoration of all the redeemed and their inheritance of the heavenly born. In Matthew 8.11, it says here, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Avraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov in the kingdom of heaven. What a wonderful day that will be to get to fellowship with our patriarchs, forefathers. All right, so moving on into chapter 8. Let's see here. I want to make sure I don't go too far. Okay, going to 13. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, that upon which they prided themselves in their contempt of Yahuwah, whose glorious beauty, like that of a wreath or garland put on during a drunken feast, is a fading flower, which are, rather, which is, for the reference, is to the crown or garland worn by the drunken fools of Samaria, on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. The picture is that of Samaria, the capital of Tile, northern kingdom, situated on a beautiful hill, surrounded with rich, terraced valleys like wreaths, but with its leaders slaves of wine, overcome by the vice of drunkenness, the picture is purposely painted dark as the warning to the inhabitants of the southern kingdom. Behold, Yahweh has a mighty and strong one, namely the Assyrian conqueror, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, a shower of destruction, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand, overthrowing boast, fill Ephraim with its proud capital, Samaria. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, the wreath, 
which the drunkards of Ephraim, tile rulers of the northern kingdom, wear with such arrogance, arrogant haughtiness, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower, and as the hasty fruit before the summer. That is, it will happen to the fading flower of Ephraim's beauty, which is on the head of the fertile valley, as it does to the early fig, which when he that looketh upon it sees while it is yet in his hand, just as soon as he had gotten hold of it, he eats it up. The ruin of Samaria took place in hardly more than four or five years, and there was as yet no intimation of its destruction. When the prophet wrote these words, but the reference to the overthrow of a false glory of Samaria leads to the mention of the divine, the messianic beauty. In that day, with the dawn of the messianic era, shall Yahuwah Sevaoth be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people, namely to the believers of the true Israel, especially in the New Testament, the small number from all nations and peoples who accept the Messiah. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sits in judgment, to have righteousness and justice prevailing throughout the land, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate, both in repelling an attack of the enemies and in directing the battle against the stronghold of the adversaries, the believers have power both to withstand the evil and to wage an offensive war against those who are its exponents. After this beautiful interlude, Yahuwah turns to the people of Judah with a similar earnest warning. But they also have erred through wine, the rulers of Judah being addicted to the tile, same vice as those of Samaria, and through strong drink are out of the way, reeling and staggering in their drunkenness. The priest, to whom the use of intoxicating liquors was strictly forbidden, and the prophet have erred through strong drink. We can see in Leviticus 10 verse 9, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, you nor your sons with you, when ye go into the tabernacle of the assembly, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. And in Ezekiel 44 verse 21, Neither shall any priest drink wine when they enter into the intercourt. So they, they are swallowed up of wine, altogether overcome by this vice. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision at the very time when they should be under the influence of the spirit of Elohim alone. They stumble in judgment, their befuddled minds causing them to make wrong applications and interpretations of the law kind of gives a new meaning when we consider that now our bodies are the living tabernacle. Should we be ingesting the wine, being drunken off the wine? Obviously, it shows here a warning that interpretations of the word can be misunderstood. Be You can be led astray with those. So be wary about 
drunkenness. It is a warning. Verse 8, for all tables... For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, the result of their beastly drunkenness, so that there is no place clean. The prophet paints the picture of their besottedness before the eyes of those leaders of the people in order to hold the filth of their vice up before them as in a mirror. He now introduces the drunken adversaries in person with all their scoffing comment of his warnings. Whom shall he teach knowledge? So they sneerling asked. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine, presuming to teach them knowledge? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, they would have him know that they are no unweaned children, and that they are tired of his schoolmastery ways. They now try to heap ridicule and mockery upon him, by stammering about his endless preaching and dining in their ears. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, that is rule upon rule, here a little and there a little, and gist of their attempted reproach being that the prophet was wearing their souls with a mass of little rules and precepts, directions and warnings, in wearisome repetition, and without a right plan and order. For with the stammering lips and another tongue will he, namely Yahuwah, speak to this people, namely by a foreign and hostile people, whose language would indeed seem strange and barbarous to them, the Assyrian invaders. To whom he said, or who said to them, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. For that is what Yahuwah, in his word, offers to weary souls longing for salvation. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. They despised and rejected the word of Yahuwah. But the word of Yahuwah was unto them, that is, it shall now truly be precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, namely in the stammering sounds and a tedious repetition which would come upon them as a judgment from on high, that they might go, unwilling though it may be, and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken, snared and captured by the enemy. Thus many a person who in our days is sneering at the word of Elohim as an endless repetition of a jumble of rules and orders of life, will find himself judged and condemned to an eternity of damnation by the very word, for he that believeth not shall be damned. Wow, that's some powerful words. And that is the importance of reading precept from precept, line by line. You cannot skip around, you cannot pick and choose. Each word was placed there intentionally. Each word matters. And we know that the word was made flesh. So it is so important to dig into the scripture, not picking and choosing what you want to hear, but soaking it all in because it is all important. All right, we're going to move on to the Besor portion. 
Matthew 2, 1 through 12, the visit of the wise men, the Magi. Now when Yahushua was born in Bethlehem of Yahud, in the days of Herod his king, the king, behold, there came Magi from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Yahudim? For we have seen his star rising in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Mashiach should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Yahud, for this it is written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Yehuda, are not the least among the princes of Yehuda, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Yasharel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the Magi, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw rising in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Miriam his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of El in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Such a wonderful chapter there the birth of our Messiah, and what many blessings to come from that event. And we are still reaping those blessings. So I just encourage you, if you don't know Messiah, get to know him. Open up the word. Get into the word. Start at the beginning. Bear a sheet in Genesis 1. That's where it all begins. And we know that our Messiah was there with the Father Yahuwah from the beginning, designing and creating the heavens and the earth, creating man living through men, intercepting through Yahuwah, interacting with man on his behalf, and then becoming a man here in Matthew, living out the Torah perfectly, a sinless man that died for our sins to wipe them away white as snow, to give us the salvation and everlasting life in his kingdom. Focus on his kingdom, not the kingdom here on earth. Anyways, that does it for me. Thank you for joining everyone. I hope you have a blessed start of the week. We are praying and lifting up everybody that your needs are met this week. Seek out the Father. Ask for His wisdom and discernment in your life, and He will bestow that to you if you're seeking Him out in all that you have. Seeking Him first, giving Him all of your first fruits, and in turn, you can be an example to others, leading them to that righteous path. So shalom and blessings to you all.